Oh hey, I'm glad you're here. Growing up in a video store, it's easy to just lay around watching Witchfinder General or Scream and Scream again, but it's also important to exercise. It was not uncommon for me as a child to sprint through the aisles only to pause and admire the cover of Death Sport or tag the assassination game. I would, I would bench press stacks of uh, caged heat, uh, chained heat, the naked cage, uh, the arena, and bad girls behind bars. Okay, that never happened. I, I think what just happened is the idea of weightlifting made me think of prison, which led me to women in prison films. If anything, we just learned about my feelings towards exercise. I was, and continue to be, an indoor kid. I listened to music, I drew and watched movies. These are all things that I still do. The idea of track, where you run in a circle for a ribbon, sounds utterly insane to me. Do 30 minutes of cardio? Sure, it sounds fun, but after one day of congratulating myself, I'd revert right back to wishing I liked exercising. I just could never find a way in. That is, until this episode. Since the recording, things in the world have changed slightly. Uh, I went into the guest gym, met the guest, uh, went through an evaluation, all of which will be covered in this episode. But as things are a little different these days, I wanted to announce up top that their Obey Training Facebook is active again. The guest has a new page called Catasthenics, which is C-A-T-I-S-T-H-E-N-I-C-S dot com, Catasthenics, which are home workouts where you can use cats as weights. No, I'm not going to repeat myself. You can rewind that and hear that sentence again. And the guest is also offering Zoom workouts, custom home workouts, and nutrition plans. So please check them out and let's all get better. But first, the film is Death Spa, the guest is a master personal trainer, and this is VHS. Hello and welcome to VHS, the podcast where each episode is about a film and the guest has the profession portrayed in the film. I'm your host, Dirk Marshall. Uh, visuals, including original art for the podcast, can be found at vh.us on Instagram. You can find currently viewed films and more on Twitter at VHS underscore podcast. And you can support the podcast at Patreon slash VHS, which is greatly appreciated as it is a spendy little project and it's a fun way for us to interact. You may also find us on Facebook. I mean, you will, which is a good way to interact also uh, with listeners and ask the guests questions. I'm joined in the studio by Tasia. Hello. Bernie. Yes. Okay, both <laughs> names, who is a master personal trainer. Uh, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, people can find out more about you. Uh, you are Tasia underscore fit on Instagram. Yes. Is that correct. And on Facebook, I couldn't find this one. Obey personal training. Is I that wonder right? if they took it down. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. It used to be there. So okay. and we're working on a website, but it's not there yet. So. Okay. I found old posts, mm -hmm. um, schedules and meetups, but I couldn't find an actual page. So mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'll look at that. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> uh, yes. Excellent. Uh, that's T-A-S-I-A underscore F-I-T. So in case anyone's wondering, Tasia spelled that way. Yes. Okay. Now, what you do was very alien to me, so when this idea kind of popped into my head, I reached out to a lot of people, and um, I'm outside of this world that you're uh, so knowledgeable about, and the first things I saw were things that uh, would have stopped me right there, um, and it's usually shirtless men uh, lifting 
things I don't know what they are. They're not weights. They look like duffel bags, or I'm not sure exactly. Sure. Um, Sandbags. Yeah, super uh, masculine situations, which uh, for any listeners is not exactly my um, <laughs> my style or way of being. So I was like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to find my way into this world. And then a mutual friend, uh, I think, introduced us to each other. And I thought, okay, uh, this might be someone that I could uh, – that I could find an entry point into kind of fitness and gym world. Um, and we decided something interesting. So the idea was for me to possibly understand more about what you do by either doing four or eight weeks of whatever you decided. Yes. Um, which I thought was genius because the last thing I want to do is, is waste someone's time or have just kind of a precursory, like, I don't, I don't know what you do, so whatever. You're over there. I'm over here. So I went to your gym, and uh, and we 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 kind of began there, um, right? Yes, we did. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I taught you some fundamentals yes. and kind of diagnosed where you were. Yes, but before I get into those, I wanted to sort of talk about when we started the conversation before, uh, I guess, as you begin kind of an interview or an evaluation, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of listed off the things that stopped me from ever learning about what you do. Yeah. The first one is gyms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I won a free membership in the 90s, and I went, and first of all, the uh, locker room situation for me, not a fan. Uh, in high school, uh, I didn't dress down for gym. I didn't enjoy the the uh, locker room culture of, of men. Uh, and, you know, when we went to, uh, Sarah and I planned a weird trip to Vegas, and it was just like, we're going to go to this spa. She found this really cool spa, and it's like co-ed, so we're going to lounge by a separate, you know, private pool, hot tub, steam room, whatever. And I was like, that sounds amazing, because we're not Vegas people. Sure. We showed up, and they were like, your locker room's this one, your locker room's this one. I said, that's par for the course. Why would you be changing co-ed? Right. And then we go in, and it's all uh, separate. I was, she was in this lovely land uh, of, of ladies where there was a snow room and all this amazing stuff, and I was in the land of business talking uh, sweaty balls, basically, is what was happening. Sorry. It was <laughs> that's the worst. It was so bad. It was so bad that they had attendants walking through spraying like deodorant because it reeked so horribly in there. It was the most foul thing. There was a room with with football playing where guys were just in robes with their balls resting on chairs, just picking at their toes, and oh, yeah. it was the growth men. Anywhere behind closed doors is is pretty much a nightmare. Locker room culture is absolutely the worst. Oh my gosh! Like I was in shock at how just brazenly disgusting it was, and then it was so laughable that at the end I I went and I was like, oh, there's like, you know, free products and stuff. So I was like, I'll at least like comb my hair or so- something, kind of like some sort of self care after this trauma inducing situation. But they had a mirror in front and a mirror behind. Mm-hmm. And so it just became one of those infinity situations of just butts and balls forever. <laughs> it was such an, it was like the magic eye posters in the 90s. Yes. Only if you stared long enough, it was just a bigger butts and balls you would see. It was, it was so gross. So I have that hurdle. Uh, and the next one would be equipment. Like I, I said, if we're going to do something, I'm not a, I'm not a person that's going to have weights and things around in sure. my home. So that's going to stop me. So I think a lot of people would have that uh, 
hurdle too. They don't have space for, for these kinds of things. So they just write it off. They're like, I already have two things that are stopping me from possibly being, um, better in my body. Uh, outfits, buying clothes and things. Mm -hmm. I'm not an, a Columbia outerwear person and I'm just not a spandexy tight on my body person. I'm more like drape it and hide it kind of guy. Uh, time and routine also i always thought about what you do as strictly fat burning all we're going to do is burn fat because you got to look fit every picture of someone healthy you see these body types it's never like someone of weight that's just stronger and more healthy sure they've got to be shredded yeah they have to be uh swole is that the term that would be one term yes okay absolutely uh so to begin this i just wanted to be completely honest uh, about who i was and we met two times, I believe. We did. Uh, the first evaluation um, was when I began to see sort of the value in what you do because you were kind of leading. I mean, you were you were leading an interview to find out questions, concerns, where I was at the time um, physically, mm-hmm. and uh, that just that conversation that we had really switched my brain to to begin to understand what a fitness trainer would do. Sure. It has to be personal. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing has to be personal. Every workout, every training session, any plan has to be about you. I mean, because all of these things, I mean, all of the concerns that you listed are true for everyone. Um, And how to overcome those hurdles is really how we get into a workout and making positive changes. Yeah. And so I showed up and I look like a uh, I'm, I'm a tiny, pale dad dressed in all black. And, and jeans. Yes, jeans. And you're like, is this your workout? And I was like, this is my workout gear. Uh, it's what it I works. normally wear. And you're like, all right, let's go. And we just started. And I thought that was very fluid. There was other people uh, in the gym working out and whatnot. No one cared at all. No. Or even looked like people just doing their thing, which is, is cool to see. Yeah, it's uh, great. It's, we do have the benefit of being a relatively private studio as well yeah, that's which true. is very nice i really appreciated that yeah um yeah and then um after we met the two times you gave me a plan and oh from just from the two meetings also i want to touch on before we move on that the supervision aspect of of these two meetings also blew my mind because i discovered that i was doing everything wrong um <laughs> And the the workouts that I was doing, I thought, was just kind of wasting time because I wasn't sort of activating the muscles that should be doing stuff, you sure. know? Yeah. And if you're going to do something that you're maybe not super excited on, you at least want to be doing it right. You need to be doing it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a very small amount of instruction that's necessary for correcting some of those things. Um, you give little pieces and people make big changes that way. Yeah. So, yeah. That's that's really well said. It's uh, for some, I would be like, "Oh, I got this," and you're like, "Drop your hips a little lower," and then I'd be like, "Oh, this is hell," and you're like, "That's what it should be." Yeah, right. That's exactly. What should be, yeah. Should be and happening. we never want to give too much information either. You know, you address one thing at a time. You make sure that people are doing it as safely as possible. Yeah. Um, and then over time, you can continue to add small corrections. Just because, I mean, it is really psychological. Mm-hmm. If you're already uncomfortable about being in the gym, having someone tell you the 47 things that are wrong with the way you're doing something is not going to make it any easier. Right. So. It's too much information. It could is. also overload them and become another obstacle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes total sense. Uh, the reason, though, 
that I'm joined in the studio today by Tasia is because we're brought together by the film Death Spa. Oh, yes, we are. Uh, which in Brazil was called Spa Diabolique. <laughs> um, in Spain, it's Para Bruja. And in Germany, they went with Witch Bitch, which <laughs> is, my favorite. is pretty straight to the point, I guess. Yes, it is, it turns uh, out. Was this a uh, first-time watch for oh, you? Oh, it was. Okay, great. Yes. Perfect. Uh, at the time of this recording, you can rent it at your local movie store. In Portland, we have Movie Madness. You can also stream it on Amazon, or there's a beautiful Blu-ray now available. The synopsis, customers at an exclusive fat farm are haunted by a force which turns exercise equipment into deadly killing machines. <laughs> In the synopsis, they went with fat farm, which I think is pretty rude. But, I think so, um, too, and also inaccurate for yeah. the film, because I read that as well. I'm like, this isn't a fat farm. It's not a fat farm. It's so weird. Uh, let's put the film in context. The director is Michael Fisher, did My Mom's a Werewolf in 89, Crack House in 89, and Death Spa in 89, so mm. good year. Delta Heat in 92, Mascara Diablo in 2005, and Ooh. still working. Uh, the cinematographer is Arledge Armanaki. Did Disco Godfather in 79, Power 11 88, Death Spot in 89, Howling for the Rebirth in 89, and is still making about a feature a year. So, pretty impressive. Very. The editor is Michael Cooley. Did Hard Rock Nightmare in 88, Death Spot in 89, Play Blood in 90, which I have not seen, straight into TV and uh, into producing. So, Law and Order, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, X-Files are all things that, mm. that Michael Cooley's touched. Actors, we got William Bummeler. Did Last Resort in 86, Death Spawn in 89, and then a ton of TV. So Golden Girls, uh, uh, Guiding Light, things of this nature, <laughs> which his hair, I think, totally reads that. Yeah, definitely. The actor Brenda Back did Last Resort in 86. We're seeing a lot of Last Resort players. So, we are. Yeah. And then Death Spawn in 89, Hot Shots Part 2 in 93, <laughs> uh, Demon Knight in 95, and still working on a lot of TV. Uh, two more actors. We got Ken Faree, which is why most people know about this film. Dawn of the Dead in 78. Tons of TV. From Beyond in 86. Phantom of the Mall. Eric's Revenge in 89. Death Spy 89. Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 90. He was on Keenan the Kel for four years. The Dawn of the Dead remake in 2004. And Devil's Rejects 2005. So he's pretty great. Oh boy. Uh, and then last we got Merritt Buttrick, who plays David. This is the one name, uh, if you haven't seen death spa that i hope you walk away with because he was in star trek 2 wrath of Khan in 82 zapped in 82 star trek 3 search for spock in 84 wired to kill in 86 which nobody saw it died on vhs but he is incredible like Kiefer sutherland lost boys level villain in definitely fright night part 2 in 89 and then death spa in 89 sadly he died that year mm. so uh, i think Merritt buttrick his biggest hindrance probably was his name but he was a really good actor uh and it's unfortunate that that he's passed away the film starts with a floating shot at night we get cool lightning effects and then we see the neon sign for star body health spa which is not a fat farm and such a name for something oh excellent yes <laughs> absolutely the letters get struck by lightning and now it spells death spa amazing yeah i i just wonder how many titles they were like how do we get it to say death how do we, spa exactly like, for it's sure so strange the lights are being shut off one by one and one person is seen dancing doing some incredible hit moves uh i got i gotta say this period of film is so interesting because you have like a robicide aka killer workout you have death spa you have movies like um perfect 
Uh, it's mm-hmm. the, you have these beautiful, just aerobic movies, which in this film, I love every sequence where they just show them dancing. They were good, and yeah. there were a lot of them. So many. I mean, they're clearly padding the film because they're like, it's only 70 minutes. We need a lot of footage of this stuff. There was that scene where she's in the water yes. doing flips yeah. and just kind of like doing aerobic dance underwater. Yeah. And I'm like, no one actually does this in no. gyms ever. Also, how big is this gym? It is huge. So huge. It is sprawling. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the pool situation, I was just mm-hmm. like, this is very big. Um, quite a star body health spa. Uh, then we see a figure getting closer, but it's Marvin, which is Ken Faree, so... Oh, God, Marvin. <laughs> Don't do that. Faked us out right off the bat. She heads into the locker room and uses a key card to get into her locker, which is very futuristic. Very. Uh, do you have robo-lockers at your... We do not have robo lockers. Okay. In fact, I was impressed with how futuristic <laughs> yes. the whole thing was. Having everything controlled by computers. Yeah, super computer. Oh, so, amazing. A lot of people, when they talk about this movie, they get very hung up on the supercomputer, and they don't get into the fact that it's really what what was popular at this time is jazzercise, like aerobics and things. Yes. Uh, computers, home computers. The mm-hmm. Commodore sixty four was in the home. Uh, things of that nature, and um, it's a possession movie. So what they did with this is they had the the spirit possess the computer so genius but when people watch it they just talk about chronologically well then this happens and a computer couldn't do that and you're like right yeah but you're really watching a possession movie they just tell you way too late exactly yeah. exactly right yeah my favorite scene was when they're using the um uh the bicycles right oh, the yes. stationary bikes yeah right and um in the control room they decide to turn up the intensity yes. on all the bikes yeah. and so everybody is suffering i'm yeah. like well you know what those aren't plugged into anything yeah and i'm like well this is really just kind of magical <laughs> yes it, it really is i mean i think probably every group exercise instructor watching people in their spin classes pretend to turn the knobs in order to increase resistance oh. would love to have that button yeah which makes everybody actually work oh yes mm. i've never taken one of those classes but i've met a lot of people who love them and it sounds very difficult it is yeah uh she disrobes in the awesome sauna and we get our glowing bricks <laughs> very sweaty scene with spacey tunes playing and there's a lot of uh fingertips dragging across the sweaty body which yeah there was a lot of really a solid gratuitous nudity yes, yeah. yeah but not in the way you'd expect like no and we'll get to that um but there is a lot up front She's locked in. It's getting too hot, and she breaks the glass, and then I think passes out. Uh, at 24-hour fitness in I think the late 90s, my wife Sarah was there, and it was nighttime. I think it was midnight. She went into the sauna, not wearing clothes or anything, just in the you know it's part of the dressing of room thing. Yes. And uh, in came the cleaning guy. Oh no! And he <laughs> began cleaning the showers. And she didn't know what to do, so she stayed in the sauna. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, for, he cleaned the entire... So she was just in there for so long. So she she identified with this part of death spot. I completely understand that, yes. Yeah. Uh, we then see Michael, played by William Bummeler. He speeds to the hospital, find out her body sustained burns from chlorine vapors. Oh my. Burns? Yes, chemical burns. Chlorine vapor to be exact. It's low grade. Yeah, very strange. 
Now we get our first shot of the gym in full swing, and it really is something to see. The outfits, the The facing, leotards. The leotards are amazing. Mm. The equipment and the way that it's fused into the wall with like the way they've painted around each. Yeah, the, the painting job where the pads underneath yeah. each one with like the different patterns. Yes. It was very cool. It's very, very cool. Uh, the people who are working out. Ken Faree is wearing the most insane jacket. <laughs> Yes. Uh, like, I don't know how they didn't just call this movie The Jacket, because the second you see it, that's all you're going to remember from this movie. It was movie. quite notable. It makes no sense. You know, it actually reminded me very much of working um, at a big box gym about oh. 15 years ago when I first okay. started. Um, in the evenings, there was something very peculiar which would happen around 5 o'clock. Yeah. We would refer to it as the happy hour workout. All the women would show up with full makeup, oh. wearing really cute, very mm -hmm. revealing outfits, oh, wow. and just really not work out. And just kind of wander from machine to machine like and talk this... to people. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So there is the happy hour workout culture where people are just, you know, kind of... I went to the gym today. Exactly. They're there to meet people, you oh. know. They're sort of doing squats, but Got really it. they're just, you know, accentuating their backsides. Wow. Um, yes. There is, there's definitely that culture. That is fascinating. Yeah. It's disturbing. So. A and is that an insider term, a big box gym? Um, yeah. That's a, how you refer to, say, 24-hour fitness Got or LA it. fitness, right? Okay. So, yeah. That makes sense. My next question is, will you dress as the death spa trainer in that jacket for next Halloween? Yes. Okay, great. Or Mardi Gras, as we get to. <laughs> oh, gosh. That, seriously. And I mean, okay, so this was early on in the film. Yes. You see one of the posters for mm -hmm. Mardi Gras. I had no idea Mardi Gras was going to enter this film. Yeah. I mean, I think the way they provided you with information was awkward at best. Uh -huh. But the poster on the wall in the women's locker room is of a clown with a naked woman sitting yes. on his lap. Yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, who has that in their locker room? But what it did remind me of yeah. is the... The gym that I did work for back then, uh -huh. um, uh, it was a 24-hour fitness, uh -huh. and it was, in fact, the Lance Armstrong Super Sport. Back when they had... <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so they used to have, and I don't know that... They probably still do this. They had athletes um, brand their Super Sport, their highest-end gyms. Okay. Um, and so there were huge photos, like wall-sized murals of Lance Armstrong everywhere. And when I saw this, oh yeah, it gets better. So when I saw this image of the clown with the naked woman on his lap in the locker room, yeah. I was remembering the, com the complaint we got most during that period was that there was a floor-to-ceiling image of Lance Armstrong's face as a mural facing into the women's locker room. No. And women constantly would come out and be like, it just creeps me out the way I feel like him being looked at, like it, the way his eyes are. So it's just awful. like, feels so dirty. And so, of course, they didn't have to deal with that for very long because pretty soon they stripped all of those images away after have, all of the, you know. That would have had to have been a meeting where he was just like, no, floor to ceiling into the locker oh, room. Oh, yeah. I, those, you know, those, you know. Oh, that's so gross. Yes, it was thoroughly gross. Never work without a spotter, Freddie. Wake falls on your test and you can really get squashed. Uh, Ken approaches a man doing weights and tells him never to operate a weight bench without a spotter. And this is probably pretty solid advice. Uh, you know, it depends on what you're doing. Okay. And I did appreciate the fact that the spotter then gets distracted by a woman and ignores his spotting job entirely, which you see all the time yeah. in bad gyms, mm -hmm. right? Where the spotter's staring off into space or on their phone. Yeah, um, bad trainers. Yeah. That's a thing. They're, so. just, they're just not present. Exactly. Because yeah, right. it's just like rope behavior for them. Like, all right, yep. Exactly. Meanwhile, the guy's being crushed underneath his bar. So. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, then we see Freddy, who's kind of an oaf. I think we should help these people. What do you say we increase the resistance? And we see the spa has a secret surveillance room where we can even adjust the resistance on the exercise bikes, as I you love mentioned. It. It's a such a weird sequence that they're just bored, and he's like, let's just mess with everybody and we'll exactly. adjust the tension. Uh, does your gym have a secret surveillance room? Do I have to answer okay, that? Okay, no, you don't. We'll move on. Uh, detectives show up to investigate, and the man detective was the principal from the movie Summer School. Who's the manager? Hello, I'm Priscilla Wayne, the manager. Can I help you? I'm a Fletcher, LAPD. Detective Stone. We have an appointment with Mr. Evans. And the cop asks for coffee, and she gets him a carob coffee, and this is the first time we get the healthy joke here, so they're going to riff on some 80s health food situations Oh, with absolutely. The cop. Yeah, that triggered me intensely. <laughs> the carob coffee? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> having growing up a child of hippies? Yes. Oh, yes. Having it passed off as chocolate. Though really, honestly, the best part of that was the mug. Yes. Which looked sort of halfway between a beaker and halfway between a bong. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like blue and pink streaked business that, that's health it's like it's got to be not a regular coffee cup because they got to make it look like it's otherworldly in a way you oh know? it was uh what's the difference between say health and fitness training is there health and fitness training yeah is it is health uh training and fitness training different things because another thing is an outsider is you hear all these terms thrown around sure and and i felt like i didn't understand any of it until that piece clicked from meeting with you where I was like, oh, there's there's exercise that betters your body that's not just weight loss focused. Right. You know? Well, I firmly believe that all training should be health-based. Mm. I mean, sort of just fundamentally, mm -hmm. you want to be able to live for a long time and be able to move comfortably and participate in all normal activities not hurt when you get out of bed and so forth. And so that should be sort of baseline. And how you're going to accomplish that will be different depending on what your other goals are. I mean, some people need to lose a bunch of weight in order to be healthier. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, some people need to gain a bunch of, bunch of muscle. Some people have pre-existing conditions like cardiac stuff or yeah. hip replacement. Um, fitness is kind of a catch-all for, I mean, just the industry. Okay. That's um, the industry term yeah, for everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and people do say health and fitness, but those are both really vague. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are other things. I mean, bodybuilding is different. Powerlifting is different. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and those are different styles of training, including different sorts of lifts. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, kind of the three main areas that you'll see are cardiovascular training. So training the heart, doing, you know, running, cycling, Got so it. forth, anything that raises the heart rate. Yeah, I see um, a lot of that. Resistance training, which is either body weight or using weights or other things like that in order to work the muscles. And this is something that we did. Yes. Uh, and I had the thing across the legs. What's that called? Oh, uh, the slingshot. Slingshot. The hip, slingshot hip circle. Yeah, that yeah. band. Which mm -hmm. is great. Uh, and that's for hips, right? It is. Yeah. It's to build up the glutes um, and the hips, which ultimately will take pressure if done correctly off of the low back, the yeah. knees, and the ankles. I love that. Yes. And then the other thing was the uh, resistance bands. Is that what they're yes. called? And both those things, not expensive, mm -mm. easy to have, fit in a drawer. Yeah. I mean, it's it's perfect. And they have various, uh, not the slingshot, but maybe. Well, they do. They the different do. tensions. Yeah. But yeah. the, uh, but the, the uh, resistance bands, um, there's a ton of different things you can do. Yeah. Um, for arms, legs, 
back. All yeah, kinds you can of train stuff. your whole body that way. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty pretty impressive. And uh, I also like that those aren't um, time consuming, and you can do them in different intervals, like put them into your workout, however you want to do it. And that kind of variation keeps from things being stagnant in my brain and kept it from being things that I didn't want to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. the idea that there has to be a huge time commitment for this is really false. I mean, yeah. if you can squeeze in 10 or 15 minutes here and there, that's just fine. I mean, the whole idea is to keep the body moving. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Well, I really appreciated that. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It was an accident. Yeah, but this accident nearly dissolved a girl, like an Alka-Seltzer. Are you making any charges? I'm Mr. Evans' attorney. Miss Wayne mentioned the computer. It runs the spa. The computer helps us run the spa. The system is unique to Starbody. It controls all the automatic functions. Michael is there with his lawyer, and he's a real jerk. He says his former brother-in-law operates the computer, and he's creepy. We get whimsical music as a lady takes a plunge in the pool. <laughs> and the lady's on the high dive. A screw is loose, and the diving board falls. <laughs> But she's fine. I thought it was going to hit her. Yeah, I thought she was going to die. I thought so too. It looked like a sequence in a horror movie where something interesting is going to happen, but no. And then the lady detective climbs up the ladder and says one of my favorite things. She says, Somebody mess with the bolts. <laughs> Which is quite a deduction. And I want to have a button on my phone where anytime something's not going my way, I can just have her say something, somebody messed with the bolts. A word, David. Can we keep it to that? You're here because you know the system and because you're Catherine's brother. Both circumstances must be terribly trying for you. If I thought for one moment that you put chlorine in the steam... You'd resort to the only weapon in your pathetic arsenal? Jock violence. I think there's a glitch in your precious system. That's impossible. David and Michael have a tiff. David's great. Uh, sadly, this was his last film, as I mentioned, and he says he was the twin of Michael's dead ex-wife. The way that this movie doles out information is so strange it is because it's all sort of out of sequence like they wrote it and they were like we've got to like make it so that it's a mystery but all it does is not play out super well right and like i love this movie i've seen it numerous times but you can see after maybe a couple of viewings how if they had just had a couple rewrites this would have been something people would talk about it could have been a lifetime movie it could have been a lot of things but instead it's just like oddly convoluted it's extremely convoluted yes. it was as though people wrote someone wrote it scene by scene yeah like, wait now it has to happen oh wait well if that's gonna happen then how do we justify this yeah you know? it's so yeah. interesting ken free comes to work and says i just heard about the diving board what the hell's going on around here and he and michael sit for a moment at the desk and then they start throwing a football back and forth in one of the strangest parts. Yep, that was hilarious. That they're, would never happen. They're just like, this is so fun. And you're like, no, everything's falling apart right now. Your your girlfriend's been blinded, and somebody just fell off a diving board that wasn't attached properly, and you're going to play catch? It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. Okay. The cops fill us in that Michael's wife died in a fire. Did you read the printout on that Evans guy about his wife? Yeah. Made the front page of the Times. She was burned to unrecognizable ashes. Now, does that suggest anything to you? Which we'd seen some scenes of. And then back at the pool, Michael and Ken are swimming together, which we get this, like, amazing 
scene of them like racing and holding their breath together. But and, they're grown men. And holding each other back. Yes. And it would, I mean, it was just like the way they were playing in the pool. It was all very homoerotic yeah. for sure. You know, it's like so what are they doing? It makes no sense. I mean, no one was really working out in this film. It's no. just like everyone is playing yeah. workout. Whee! You know, exactly. Yeah, it's very, very odd. get more weird weightlifting machines. I don't understand these machines because they do specific things that I haven't ever done. Uh, your gym ha- seemed to have specific machines and, you know, it's not a big box gym, so I guess a lot of thought has to go into the variation of things that people can experience there. Yes, and I think that the reason we have those machines is because not only is it a private gym, but it also services the entire 19-story office building that we're in, Mm -hmm. and people recognize those machines, and if they're not working out with a trainer, it's more intuitive for them to, you know, sit down and be able to do a couple of flies that way. Uh, I am well yes right the machine oh, where he yep. gets his chest ripped mm-hmm. open yeah um I am not a fan of any of those machines I okay. almost never use them um they're referred to as selectorized training devices oh, that r- rolls right off the tongue there well yeah I went to a convention once where they were referred to only by the acronym STD. Ah. And so, of course, the instructor constantly was saying, STDs are bad, STDs are bad. And they are. I mean, honestly, those machines were designed for a particular size human being, Mm. like a six foot two man. And so if you're smaller than that, they probably won't work especially well for your body. Nope. Um, And also the problem with them is they're all seated machines. Mm. And one of the biggest problems we see in this culture is that people sit too much. Yes. And their hips are turned off and their hip flexors are tight. And, you know, their cores are non-functional. Mm-hmm. And these machines just reinforce that. And so not especially useful. Yeah. Also, something that doesn't happen in this movie, no one wipes anything off. Is this, like, in gym culture, shouldn't you, when you finish with something, you wipe it down? Or is that Oh, yes, thing? especially these days. <clears throat> yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. But yes. I just, I was noticing it. I was just like, just on a basic germ ratio, it was like, this doesn't seem good at well, all. Well, especially once there's blood. Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. One of my favorite lines has <laughs> to be um, during, I think it was that uh, that scene in kind of the weight room yeah. portion um, where, um, I can't remember what her name is, but she's hitting on one of the guys. Yeah, there's um, a lot of that. <laughs> exactly, right? Um, and uh, he says to her, I'm beta, you're VHS. Yes. Right. Well, how many reps can you do? Uh, 15 or 20, more if I'm showing off. Well, why don't you show off for me? I never waste effort in the gym. Besides, I'm beta, you're VHS. Which I thought was like the best way to... So how did you interpret that? Um, as he's gay, and okay. so she should not be wasting her time. There's two hitting. There's two worlds of thought on this. One okay. is that he's saying that exactly, which yeah. totally fits. And then the other thought, and these are the people that are very into VHS culture, mm-hmm. is that Beta, when it came out, was supposed to be higher quality. I thought about that too. Yeah. yeah. And so I, when I watch it, I kind of go back and forth each time where it, I'm like, He's, he's not, they didn't give him a lisp, which in the 80s would have been they what would've. they would have done. Sure. But he's also not that good looking. No. So you don't I mean, really like, know. how are you actually out of her league? <laughs> yeah, he's I not mean, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I mean, I thought that was just a very sweet way to yeah. say, 
I don't go for girls. I fall that way. So, yeah, I, absolutely. I prefer it that way because they seem the same league. For but, sure. Completely. Yeah. I'd like to be able to use that line <laughs> yes. or get someone else I'm to data. use it. People will be like, it. I'm going to have to look that up. Absolutely. Because no. I don't <laughs> understand. Out of uh, date. Why do people have leg days? <laughs> why do people have leg days yeah um why isn't every day a leg day oh, like why gosh, is there I know. this well there's so in bro culture okay it is a real big thing to skip leg day oh um traditionally men when they work out in the gym mm-hmm. they want to work their chests they want to work their biceps they want to get they want to work their abs exactly and so it's all front of the body stuff in the mirror and it used to be more common and you still see it sometimes these guys who are just jacked in the upper body they've got huge chests Mm -hmm. huge arms and these scrawny little chicken legs because they never do leg day okay right so i mean it's just the glamour muscles right so Um, if you're doing just the front isn't that bad for the back oh yeah it's terrible okay and you end up with horrible injuries with you know constant shoulder injuries neck injuries i mean and it'll throw your hips out and it's all vanity it is all vanity and honestly the recommendation these days is that you train your rear stabilizers three times as much as you train the front of the body and the reason for that is that in this culture with our hunched forward postures driving, sitting, working at computers, mm-hmm. we're always tightening up the front of our body. Yeah. And yes. so doing more of that in the gym is just going to exacerbate these problems. And we really need to get our shoulders back. Right. We need to get, you know, our hips in line. Yeah. Yeah. Leg day is important. Yeah. I mean, th- people talk about the importance of core training. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time that just gets painted as working the abdominals. Mm-hmm. And it really isn't. There's more to the core than that. So one of the things that we did, yes, um, which our exercise ball we have is too small, okay. but we did this something where was, I put my forearms, like picture a plank, people uh, listening, which is, you know, I don't know if I have to describe that now. Just Google plank. Um, if you put your forearms on an exercise ball and then you had me slightly roll, not a huge circle, um, and just that made parts of me hurt that in my core that I didn't know I had. Yeah, absolutely. Your um, deep abdominal sta- stabilizers yeah, and, and transversus abdominis. Yeah. Basically all the things that you had me do, um, not that they were unpleasant, but suddenly I felt parts of my body that I think felt asleep before. Yeah. And that is so interesting and part of it that really locked into my brain of like, oh, these are important things to do because I didn't want, you know, everything to just go, you know, and be done. Right. Uh, I mean, this is the health side of it is training the shoulder girdle. And so you don't end up with, you know, needing rotator cuff surgery, you know, training the deep abdominals, Mm -hmm. which are not the... I mean, that's not the six pack that you see right. on the outside. That's no, it's your... somewhere in there. It's in there, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. it, you know, it protects your spine and protects your hips. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the same thing with, I mean, the point of leg day, of course, is, I mean, you need those muscles down there. Right. I mean, you got to be able to walk. And people are constantly complaining to me about having knee problems and ankle problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some validity to that, but a lot of it has to do with not having properly balanced muscles in the low body. And if they were willing or able to work their hips and glutes, which are muscles which, when in proper balance, will absorb all the shock that your ankles and knees are taking. If they were willing to do that, then they wouldn't have knee or ankle problems. So, Well, just the um, slingshot thing, which for anyone listening that doesn't know what that is, it's like a 
a sweatband or a rubber band, but you put it around your knees. Yeah, it's uh, a thick fabric band. Yeah, yeah. and um, from just doing that, mm-hmm. I I felt my hips were different going upstairs. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, it I was does just make like, sense. Yeah, I was like, I'm walking differently. Right, like, you get to turn on those muscles that were off. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it's really really incredible. Um, but I have been skipping leg day. Um, just kidding. We, did, <laughs> we didn't set that up. Uh, we get a great shot in the Jazzercise studio, and then we see the snack bar where a lady pretends uh, to wait. Pre- oh, prepares. At the snack bar, we see a lady prepare a smoothie. In the background, we see half melons full of cottage cheese, and that was probably the scariest thing in the movie to me. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that was a very much an '80s thing. Yeah, but it's I'm just... sure you can get those still. Actually, oh, I mean, if yeah. you go to diners, I'm pretty sure you can still get that. I'm yeah. surprised you haven't had that in all of your food adventures. No, not a huge cottage cheese fan. It just wasn't refrigerated. That was my big qualm. <laughs> it's just sitting out, which is disturbing to me. There's more cool moves in the Jazzercise studio, and then Michael hears a scary sound and finds a bird nest with a weird dead bird in it. Yeah, that was really strange. So they do weird. explain that much, much <clears throat> later in the Way film. Way later. I didn't even realize it was a dead bird. I was trying yeah. to figure out whether it was somebody's like very small heart or some internal organ. Yeah. Completely out of place. Because it's all out of order. Like it's Everything's like, out of order. It's so, so strange. He heads to David and says, Just watch yourself. Or you're going to need medical attention. <laughs> it's just an amazing threat. Uh, then we see more shower girls. The power goes out. Hey, turn the goddamn lights back on! Ooh, not bad, honey. Then comes back, and we get an excessive amount of sudsing in the showers. Oh, yeah. More of this gratuitous nudity. Now, I uh, told you what it's like in a men's locker room. Is this what it's like in a ladies' locker room? There's excessive sudsing happening? Uh, Everyone together? It depends on the women's locker room. Okay. I've seen it in some, but generally no. People tend to avoid eye contact or discussion in most locker rooms. But I... I mean, to that point, I was going to say earlier when you were talking about men's locker rooms, I've seen some women's locker rooms where there are just as many vile things oh, happening. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So don't, don't feel alone. No, there was, you know those hand blowers that are for hands? Like the ones that are pointing down? Oh, yeah. I saw an old guy just drying his undercarriage like like he was rolling sheet pasta. Is It was the saggiest part of an appendage I've ever seen. And so just, I was like, just use a towel. What are you doing? And he was like, this is normal. This is what we all do. And I'm like, that is not. Oh, so many people have seen this. There was a gym where I worked where I went in to wash my hands between clients. And there was a very large woman with her foot up on the counter. No. Blow drying her. What? Bits. And um, I left, went and trained my next client, came back to wash my hands again. And she was still there. Oh, my gosh. An hour of blow drying your. Well, all right. I mean. Maybe she's tanning in a strange, <laughs> strange way. That is... Oh, well, you know. The things you see. The things you see. And the things that are normal for people, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, all the nudity on those couches. Any locker room that has couches, there's going to be some nudity. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Then the tiles start shooting off the walls. And this is something people always say. That they're like, a computer doesn't control tiles. I totally agree, and I thought the same thing first viewing, but this is the part where... It's the, about possession, It's possession. Though. It's right. a ghost story. We just don't know it yet. <laughs> right. But it's part of the things that make this movie seem so insane, is that people are like, it, 
the computer doesn't control a, a bolt on a diving board or tiles on a wall. And you're like, yeah, but we didn't get to that there's a ghost yet. It's exactly. coming. But the computer controls a profound amount of stuff. So I mean, things. they can control a whole bunch of things. Oh, yeah. And honestly, when the tiles were shooting off the wall and you see that there are some little metal parts behind some yeah, of them. Yeah, how they're like, shooting them off. Well, maybe it does. Right. You they're... know, I mean, while you're trying to make sense of it. Yeah, they could, they could be using the computer to heat the tiles. That would be pleasant to have like warm tiles. It would be. Yeah, could be nice. I don't know. Uh, Michael and Ken go to check the ladies, and one says in a reply, Yeah, but to tell you the truth, Michael, this place could use better maintenance. (laughs) She was almost murdered by flying tiles. And that's the line. Yeah. I know. It's so interesting. Somehow, he offers them three free months, and they exchange sexual innuendos. Drop by my office, and I'll take care of it personally. Do you think you can handle both of us after jazz class tomorrow? Well, I could sure have fun trying. <laughs> Which is very unnerving. Yes. And unprofessional. Uh, it's quite shocking. But something that's also shocking is we don't know how Michael began his path in uh, fitness, but we also don't know yours. So how did you start even in entering the world of being a, a master personal trainer? Oh, it's a very strange story. Okay, I'm ready. Um, so I grew up a very bookish kid. Um, in fact... I was a straight A student except for PE. I think that was the only time I ever got a B was in PE. And when I was in elementary school, I would actually get excused from PE in order to sit on the edge of the playground and write short stories. And so I avoided anything athletic. I hated to sweat. Mm -hmm. I was uninterested in any of it. Um, All the way through college, when I graduated college, I actually had the opportunity to move to Appalachian, Ohio, of all places. Um, I got invited to come build a house Hmm. uh, on a friend's farm where I was going to be able to live rent-free forever and write books. And I thought, that's great. That's a good good book. I mean, right. It sounded like a great deal. I mean, it was gorgeous out there, right? So we, the two of us, um, built the house, just a little house, over the course of about six weeks. And um, I had never been that active in my life. We, we were working on this 14 hours a day, just the two of us. You know, I'm hauling lumber and mixing concrete and, you know, digging the subfloor and or, or the footer and then putting in the subfloor. Um, I had no idea how to eat in order to maintain that level of activity. And so okay. I lost about 30 pounds over six weeks and did get, as they say, shredded. Wow. Um, also just massively sunburned. Yes, I was going to say. Just Ohio leathered. in March. I mean, there were days where it snowed and there was days where it was 90 degrees. It was That's insane. Um, and I ended up leaving there after building the house because I was really lonely and I wanted to come back to Portland, uh, but then was possessed by the strange compulsion to continue to lift heavy things and put them mm. back down in other places or the same place, it turns out. So I started working with a trainer when I got back to Portland. Um, and it's funny because... I mean, as you know, there's there are these notions about what acceptable goals are yeah. when you go into training. And I didn't need to lose weight at that point. And I was also relatively strong, but I wanted to learn more about all of it. I mean, about exercise, about how to work the body. And it felt really good, too. I mean, I was getting good endorphin rush yeah. from this. Um, and it was healthy. And it was interesting to me. And I remember the first trainer that they matched me with She asked me what my goals were, and I said, I want to be able to lift up the front end of my car. And she rolled her eyes at me, 
And I thought, well, this will never work. You have no sense of humor. <laughs> so I went and found another trainer. Uh, and he asked me what my goals were. And I said, I want to be a superhero. And he said, okay, we'll get you a cape. And then, you know, off we went into the gym. And he ended up being my trainer for 21 years. He mentored me after okay. that. Um, and so I just learned everything from him and just fell in love with just the art and science of all of it. And um, a lot of the psychological aspect as well mm -hmm. of just, you know, taking care of people, taking care of our bodies. Uh, because not only are you doing physical work, but you're also doing mental and emotional work. And um, that was just compelling. So I ended up doing it for work. Yeah, I think that that, uh, I mean, there's so much that you touched on there, but I feel like there's in thinking about your field, there's a lot of misconceptions um, that I discovered just in the brief two interactions that we had. There's the in the first conversations, there's almost like a therapy aspect to it. There's, oh, absolutely. Um, there's so much care going into it beyond just focusing on sp uh, specific muscles and things, you know, if that makes sense. Just the listening aspects and... <clears throat> the dialogue back and forth. It's not just being what I imagined was uh, some guy barking, you know, like, uh, you know, slogans and things. While exactly. You're, while yeah. you're lifting heavy stuff, you probably don't need to be doing. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I pictured myself trying to lift 400 pounds or something. Mm -hmm. where of like, course. This isn't right for me. No. Uh, <laughs> it's way more than I weigh. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I just think, and from our meetings, like I left feeling better because of the exercise, but also uh, in the time spent with someone that's, you know, helping you better yourself in these ways. Like Absolutely. You feel, I don't know, listened to, cared for, you know. Good. And there's something to be said for the exercise part because I found that when you said do this, uh, ex you know, this routine, some of these, whatever, um, at home three times a week mm -hmm. or four. I really quickly went to four, sometimes five if possible, because our, my schedule is not nine to five, Monday through Friday, so it fluctuates a lot. So sure. that kind of is, a, is another obstacle that people might have. Uh, but I found that by the third day, um, my brain just wanted to do it. Yeah, Like absolutely. the first day I was like doing it because we had had a conversation and I wasn't going to let you down because you're a person, which is another great thing about meeting with someone like you, is <clears throat> there's an, an ownership to the routine and you have someone that's invested in it. So I, I can let myself down all the time. No problem. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I'll just disassociate and eat more pizza. But, <laughs> but having another person, then you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it right. And you know, then they'll see that I you know, put the work in uh, and that also fed into it. Definitely. So then the second day was the day that I really didn't want to do what I found. Like, that was my big resistance peak was that, mm. and then the third day my brain was just like, oh, we got to go do our thing. Like, this is when we do our thing, so let's go do it. Yeah, absolutely. You start to get the um, dopamine and serotonin response. I understood response. it for yeah, the first absolutely. time. Yeah. Um, and I can see why people, when they give up, you know, alcohol or something, they build this, like, exercise routine because it's like the same passion shifts over and then it becomes sure. like, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. Um, which didn't happen for me, but you never know. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> well, you know, so it goes. It's baby steps, Absolutely. I guess. Yeah. Always, right. Oh, holy there. How's it going, Freddy? Uh, which brings us to one of the more infamous scenes. Freddy is making Moby Dick references, which is very strange, on a rowing machine. And then another <laughs> member straps into this chest weight machine thing. Mm, yeah, the pec deck. And the machine is announcing each 
time that it's increasing the weight. Increase to 130 which he seems totally into. But then he panics, his ribs explode, and his blood falls out. It's, um, it is so beautiful. It is definitely my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, it's the sequence most people talk about. Uh, it's the opposite of getting fit, because you need all that blood that falls out. Uh, yep. The machine like this, it's a real machine? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and it's for pecs? Yes, for your chest. Okay. Yeah. I was here about pecs. Don't know what they are. But... Yep. Yeah. Got it. Your pectorals are these muscles here. Okay. The, the chest muscles. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the y- strange part about that is yeah. that that machine should adjust much further back, and arms stretch a lot <laughs> further back. Than he does. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, it was very, very, very confusing. I mean, just to have your arms, you know, back, like, basically in it, line with your body it, should not cause your chest to explode, even with yeah. 150 pounds of pressure. I mean, that's not really that much pressure. No, and it's a weird spot. Like, the side of his ribs, like, just, it's, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it shoots out of, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, the lower rib cage, too. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, he's doing something really wrong. It's... It's so funny. It, yeah, it was quite nice. Yeah, and people don't seem as disturbed as they should be in the situation. Oh, definitely not. Their response was, you know, yeah, that's kind like, of par for the oh, course. Yeah. That does happen on that machine. <laughs> <laughs> Michael blames the system, and David says, You can't blame the computer for tiles flying off shower walls. The computer doesn't control tiles, for Christ's sake. Which I was like, finally, David. Make Seriously. Sense. They right? can't. It can't. Uh, only a great actor could deliver these lines, I believe, with the conviction that David delivers them. Agreed. Uh, further proof that he is easily the best, uh, not to compare artists, but he, I just, I think that he does such a great job in this movie, considering the, the craziness of his character, has the biggest arc. It's like so interesting. Uh, the lawyer says they can't shut everything down because they got the Mardi Gras party, which I was like, I forgot about the Mardi Gras party. That's right. This is so important. I'll make a bargain with you. The day after the party, you want to shut down the whole damn club for remodeling, I'll back you 100%. That won't be necessary. Mike, it's going to be okay. You got to trust me on this one, buddy. How many Mardi Gras parties does your gym have? Uh, None. None. Okay. However, I did used to work for a gym that did have a bar. Mm. Uh, and so that was relatable. That is weird. Yeah. Well, it was more of a racket club. Okay. And, sure. Which is still weird. I mean, the weight floor and so forth was upstairs, but, you know, the racquetball courts were downstairs. Yeah. And the boys do yeah, like bar. to sit and have a beer afterwards, okay. which is also completely counterintuitive. Yeah. I know. That is strange. Uh, so it's a Mardi Gras movie. Uh of Suddenly. All, of all the holidays, it's the most fitness holiday, Mardi Gras. Um, this is what I was leaning on earlier when I said there's not a crazy amount of nudity in the movie. Because when I think of Mardi Gras, I think the beads. Sure. And I think of topless people. And this party has none of those things. Nope, nope. They save their toplessness <laughs> for other times. I've heard people talk about the movie and they're like, that Halloween party in that movie. And I'm like, it might as well be a Halloween party. Yeah, it all of the clowns. No I'm like, wait, are there always clowns at Mardi Gras? I don't think so. Because there were a lot of clown costumes. Maybe there's like Harlequin things, maybe? Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know. It's really weird. Uh, Michael goes and picks Laura up, gives her a present, although she has both eyes like covered. Which I really is, did love that. Oh my gosh. And also his house is the worst house for someone who can't see because there's no <laughs> banisters on everywhere. Anything. I know. It's crazy. Uh, he kisses her neck 
they're eating dinner and it's the most insane sequence. This Maybe. is one of my favorite parts is when he feeds her the asparagus. Sexy asparagus. Se- sexy asparagus. I mean, really. Every shot in this sequence is so odd. It feels like a David Lynch movie. She's got the patches over her eyes. Their interactions are so strange. And then she eats the sexy asparagus and says, <laughs> Sure beats hospital food. Which is barely a compliment. <laughs> That's um, true. Absolutely. Yeah, her dialogue in that scene makes so little sense. It's so weird. And then they're sitting by the fire. And I love this because they're facing, I think they're facing us. So away from the fire. Mm-hmm. And he's holding her. She's in a robe. And she's holding one rose. I was so concerned about this. because <laughs> What's happening? Okay, so she's... She can't see anything. And I'm looking at this rose and thinking, God, I hope that's dethorned. Yes, it's the most dangerous of flowers. Absolutely. Very dangerous. And where'd she get it from? And why is she hugging it like that? (laughs) So weird. I may never take these bandages off. I want you to move in with me. Only on one condition. What? We take a drive by the club so I can pick up my things. (laughs) And then instantly we're back in the locker room. We hear a scary sound, and Vanessa Bell Calloway is alone in her undergarments. The locker starts slamming. And then a spear shoots her through the neck, which has nothing to do with fitness. <laughs> There's not spears in a gym. We or don't a spa. have spear throwing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so what? Oh my gosh. How did she end up inside that locker? At, and half her face is melted when you see her. I know. It's like, what? Other people get their faces melted, but not her. Not her. She should just spears. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, In comes Michael and Laura to clear out her locker, because apparently she keeps all of her things at the gym. And the dead friend's in the locker room. Half her face is rotten. Nothing's described. Uh, The computer says, Michael, I miss you. And then we're sort of like, oh, Oh. there's a ghost in the computer? Uh, Michael sees a strange dark figure on the monitor, rushes to stop Laura, but it's Darla in a costume. Oh, Darla. Michael! Hi, Michael. How do you like my costume? Michael reflects on the rocking chair, and we see Catherine set herself on fire. Now we're starting to get more of the the backstory way too late. Uh, Michael recaps everything in this sequence. He's like, I think this happened, and then this happened, and then we're like, yeah, we've been watching the movie, Michael. Right. Move it along already. (laughs) Whenever I'm in the club... And even sometimes when I'm in this house, I feel a presence. And then uh, it really, really abruptly ends that. It's like kind of this moody sort of piece. And then like, bam, that's over. Uh, and then Michael is at a psychic's office. He's a psychic detective. Yes. we got to bring that in. He got, he's had some really crazy history uh, on a cigarette case, which is psychometry, which... Uh, I did an episode on vibes with psychic Renee Terrell. Yes. And she talks about psychometry, so that's a good listen. Uh, Michael calls him out for just reciting stuff on a newspaper that he read about him. So the guy's like, all right, I'm going to go to your club, and I'll uh, I'll figure all this out. I'll hang around till after closing and see what I can find out. Do you need me for anything? One of the reasons that I left the seminary for parapsychology, Mr. Evans, was the desire to separate true spiritual phenomena from fraudulent deception. That's where we find out about the bird's nest as well. Yes. Right? Because he doesn't believe that this guy is a psychic. That's and true. so then the psychic Great says, point. you know, brings up, you know, the 
his Catherine always yes. referring to the family Wanting as a nest. making a nest. I'm like, oh, that's what that thing was in the... Okay. So bizarre. And then we get an odd scene uh, with overdubs between David and Catherine, and we're back in the gym for more awesome jazzercise footage. The best. Gotta have it. The ladies get ready in the locker room. There's two things that this movie delivers on, and it's a peppering of female nudity in jazzercise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless jazzercise. Yeah. I'm so glad it still exists. Oh, it does? It does. Oh, that is incredible. So for my birthday about five years ago... I decided that I wanted to work out for nine straight hours. So I went to, I think it was six different gyms over the course of the day and either Whoa. ran or biked in between them and invited friends to come with me to whichever ones. And so we started at 5 a.m. with Jazzercise and we could not keep up. Yeah. I mean, those ladies, I mean, they, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so like honestly watching the sequences of Jazzercise in this movie where no one is instructing them. Totally believable oh, because wow. it's just, you know, hardwired after this point. I mean, they've sure. all been doing it for 40 years, I'm sure. Right. So. <laughs> In the awesome outfits. Incredible. A uh, girl gives Linda a note for it says it's from Michael and says, meet her him in the basement. So she goes down there and uh, she's walking around forever. And then we hear a mouth harp playing, which is the weirdest soundtrack device. It's just like, bow, bow. The soundtrack like, was just phenomenal what? in this. Uh, she gets melted by the spring foot. Um, but my favorite part is it starts spraying, and mm -hmm. she goes... What is it? Turn it off! I, exactly. <laughs> like, why don't you leave the room? Yeah. Also, it's a sprinkler. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, you'd be like, ah, water! But she just lays down and dies, which is amazing. Right, instead of going for the stairs instead or anything. Leaving... It's just like, oh, something wet. I better lie down on the yep. floor. Yeah. yeah. Uh... <laughs> Laura? Nice to see you. I was so sorry to hear about your accident. Laura and David have a creepy moment, and a lady shows up with groceries, and David doesn't let her in. So David's keeping uh, poor Laura, who's blind at this point, in this house. Uh, the lady speeds away to go tell Michael. He comes home. The groceries are on the floor. Oh my gosh, is Laura dead? Laura? Oh, sure. <clears throat> Just sleeping. No, she's napping. This is confusing to me as well because his first instinct is to pick up the groceries and yeah. carry them upstairs. Yeah, she's like, he left a blind woman in a house with no banisters and too many stairs. Right, absolutely. And the first thing he does is protect the groceries. Yeah. He's like, these shouldn't be here. He's got to get refrigerated. They sit by a hot tub and she says, What's wrong? You're upset. I saw a parapsychologist today. And that's the end of the scene. I know. <laughs> it's like, wait. What? She can tell something's wrong. Yes. She's blind and he's sitting far away from her. Wow, she can read his energy really yeah, well. She's the parapsychologist, I think, in this situation. Uh, now it's night and the para guy's walking around pretending to be an insurance guy. So they just leave him in the place by himself, which, mm -hmm. all right. Uh, he's in the basement with the crystal wand and discovers the melted lady who has no face and her heart's still beating. Amazing. <laughs> I know. I will, yeah, right. And her face is still moving, and too. she's still moaning. Exactly. It's like she's been melting for like 10 hours. It's so crazy. This is the worst acid ever. Yes, seriously. Uh, he suddenly sees Catherine. She throws them up to the ceiling. It breaks a light. It's a really cool effect shot. I don't mm -hmm. know exactly how they did it, but he goes to shoot her. His hand explodes. <laughs> Blood shoots 
everywhere. He flies up the stairs and slides down these rollers that are in these stairs, which the second you see him, you're like, they're going to do something with of these Of course, rollers. they have to. So there he goes. Michael heads to the gym to meet the doctor, only wearing a leather jacket and jeans. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no shirt. Well, there you go. Which would be weird. Compared to Ken Furry's jacket, though, it's just not that strange. No. He finds a watch, takes off to see his lawyer. Why all the good cheer? Why shouldn't I be cheerful? My club's being sabotaged, Laura is temporarily blinded, and my lawyer's cut the cutest shorts I've ever seen. I did write that down. Okay, good. And my lawyer has the cutest shorts I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, what a rough day for you. Yeah, which is more kind of that homoerotic mm-hmm. back and forth. Uh, Priscilla's there. She confesses that uh, they're trying to pull a scam to buy him out. The computer system files up. I take the blame, and you and your partners buy me out. Who else is in on this? It's just the two of us. There's also a boom mic in the scene, which is pretty amazing. When they walk outside, it's this huge, it's so huge. Yep. Uh, He says they can still get the club, and he says... I've known some real pricks. You're the king. Pretty great. Uh, We then find out why David looks like he's wearing makeup in this movie. It's because he's been putting on makeup this whole time. Yes. Which would have been nice to know earlier Uh, so that I wasn't like, why does David look like this? Like when he has Laura in the house, I'm like looking at him like, this is the worst makeup job. Yes. And now it's like, oh, it's intentional. Right. Okay. Because he's Catherine in drag. He's Catherine in drag, which is like this psycho motif they've put into this movie. Oh my goodness. It's very strange. Um... We find out why he looks like that. He puts on, and it links him to his sister, so his twin. He's got this link. Putting the shoes on manual, and that's the end of that. I like it. Here's my ID card. If David gets in here, I want you to be able to get him out. That thing stays off. You bet. Mike and Ken put the machine on manual, and Ken's supposed to guard the computer while they have their party. Because you got to still have the party. Of course. So, I mean, You've got to have someone guarding it. Even though the lawyers were like, you can't cancel it because of Mardi Gras, and the lawyers are trying to, to get him out of the business, he's still going to have the party to appease the... Okay. Uh, we get a very cool flaming wheelchair shot here, and uh, the detectives go to David, and he can't get the door open, so he says, I'm going to break in, and the detective turns his back so they can break into this house. Right. The party scene is all the 80 greatness that we deserve. It is. It is amazing. And we hear uh, Better Think Twice by a band called Model Citizen. (laughs) Uh, The soundtrack also has Fade to Grey, Flying Tigers, and Squirt Gun. Mm. So all things you can't find on iTunes. (laughs) I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, Catherine walks in. She turns the lights on with her hand. Uh, It's pretty magical. She takes off her shawl and the guy says, "Uh." Nice arms. (laughs) He says, Nice arms. Arms. Uh, nice arms. <laughs> yes. He says, uh, when she takes the shawl, he goes, uh, maybe you can stay a while. Right. Nice arms. Nice arms. I'm like, are you supposed to be guarding this room? Also, no one's come on to anybody with just nice arms. I mean, I feel it's perfect, though. Yeah, For, yeah. for bad gym culture that's, reference, it is the perfect true. thing to say. See? Perfect insight. Mm. Uh, Ken is dressed as a genie. Looks pretty amazing. Catherine puts on a pirate costume and abducts Laura. Things are really just clipping along now. Michael gets the uh, gets knocked out by the lawyer, and Laura's tied down by the pirate. The cop goes to get food and is bummed to find out it's sushi, because, ah, healthy food. Ugh. First the carob coffee, and now this. 
Uh, Catherine removes the pirate masks and says, What a shock, poor dear. The dead past returning to haunt you. Pretty amazing. Laura's on a tanning bed because 80s. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Back when tanning beds were in gyms. Yeah. Uh, Michael hears Catherine's voice and he tries to shut down the computer and the printer's printing, I miss you, Michael. Yeah. So we got a little shining touch in there, I guess. Uh, Laura's working on her tan, but uh, she says, Careful. One flick of a button and she's fried chicken. Which is fantastic. Yeah. It's pretty great. She gives him the ultimatum. Kill himself or she kills them all, which is quite a deadly game, mm. which means it's time for us to play a game, a game I like to call fitness terminology or things Dirk made up. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so we're Here six we of them. First one, burpee. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Named for Royal H. Burpee. Really? Yes. Oh. Um, he invented it, I believe, as um, a fitness test. Perhaps to do with the military. I can't remember exactly. I think his birthday is in Royal June. Burpee. Royal H. Burpee. Wow. Great name. Okay. Runner's Trot. Also known as Gingerbread Leg. I don't think so. Mm. This is real. It is it's, real. It's, uh, it's a term for people that run over three miles in a marathon who uh, release their bowels while they're running. And oh, Runner's stop. Trot. Well, see, that makes... Oh, gosh. Yeah. That does make sense. Well, that's what it sounds like. I was oh. really hoping it wasn't real. It's real. I always heard gingerbread leg, but that is a that is a like a urban dictionary term. And that for sounds it. so much nicer than what it actually is. It's pretty awful, yeah. yeah. Muscle confusion. Oh yeah. What is this? Oh right. I mean, this is a concept um, that I'm not 100 percent on board with. It's the idea that you need to um, confuse your muscles by training different things constantly. Okay. Uh, instead of just progressing the body over so time. So it's a myth. Uh. Y- I don't know. I mean, the way... Th- just a theory. <sighs> sort of. I mean, I think that it's just... I think it's sort of a bad way to put things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that you constantly need to do different things in a totally disorganized way in order to see results, which is not actually true. Okay. I mean, there is... If you follow a standard progression, you will see results. And yes, you are always changing things, but you do not need to confuse your muscles. Okay. Next one, RPE. Rate of Perceived Exertion. Yeah. That's an actual thing. And what is that? Um, it is how hard you're working. And the scale usually goes from 1 to 10, with 1 being sitting on the sofa to 10 being so out of breath you can't speak. Because it's different for everyone level. based yeah. on the level that they are active. Yeah, and so it, it tends to be a self-reported Got thing. It. So, I mean, rate of perceived exertion. I mean, there's usually a chart that they show you um, okay. where, you know, a moderate effort where you can still say pass the talk test. Uh, would be, you know, somewhere to be like, I don't know, a six or seven, I guess, <clears throat> maybe a six um, as far as RPE goes. We don't really use that very often. Okay. It gets used a lot in group exercise classes where you can't um, work one-on-one with clients. Because it's, it's different for everybody. Exactly. And you and don't so, want someone to overexert. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, it, they want you to work at, say, a six for good cardio, and then they may have you sprinted an eight for a little while and then recover back down to, I don't know, a five before, you know. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Flab dabblers. Gosh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it's not a real thing. No, but, but... <laughs> it sounds great. But I mean, I just love this idea. What would a flab dabbler be? Yeah, so I describe it as um, when people have a cheat day on a diet. 
<laughs> so they're just dabbling with the idea of being flabby. They're like, I'm going to have fried chicken today. They're flab dabbling. We're going to go flab dabbling yeah, this afternoon? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. It's just a fun little term to, uh, to use. All right, I'm last, it. last one, fartlek. Uh, a fartlek is an actual term. It is. It is. Yeah. It's, um, they're intervals in running generally. Yeah. Um, but That's they're really not fun. specific intervals. Mm-hmm. So it's not one minute on, one minute off. It's just kind of, you know, they're a little bit more fluid. Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly what I wrote down. Uh, the definition I found said it was Swedish for speed play, which sounds <laughs> like correct. a sex term. It sure does. Uh, it's a workout with different running intervals. Yeah. Fartlek. Fartlek. I know. It sounds so filthy. All right. Uh, <laughs> that almost made my head explode. <laughs> And at this point of the movie, the lawyer's head explodes all over the walls, and the sauna's collapsing. We're pulled back into the office. David's at the computer, and we get this cool effect of David's face and Catherine's face kind of morphing into each other. Absolutely. Uh, so we're like, yeah, we get it. We know what's happening at this point. But Well, there was that scene earlier, too, where he's complaining about her possessing him. Yes. Right? And yeah, I he think... wants to be not tethered to her anymore. Exactly. Right? And I thought that was very poignant. Yeah. I mean, it's good for a lot of relationships, probably, not just siblings. <laughs> um, yeah. Michael uh, rushes to save her. He jumps through a glass door. The party's still going on. No one even takes notice that all of this is happening right nope. next to the party. Uh, Catherine appears, says some real good stuff. Now's your chance, Michael. Come with me into the inferno. Let's die together and live forever in hell. Yes. Oh, Which, solid. Wow. That is a lot to unpack. Uh, Marvin tries to stop her in his genie outfit, but she gets she throws him through a window. Uh, but don't worry, he's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice arms. Yes. Now what? Uh, the juice bar lady gets her hand stuck in a blender, calling back a bit from earlier. Right. Where she pretended to do that and was, in fact, just tomato juice. And she uh, dies from this situation. And then the detective gets sucked into the walk-in and is killed by an eel (laughs) that rips out his throat. (laughs) So death by low-calorie food. So they kept that motif all the way through. Can't have that sushi. It's so terrible for you. It's so... Yeah, it is really an amazing thing in a series of amazing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lady detective finds Priscilla unconscious, but she can't find her partner. Everyone's still partying. Everyone's still having a Mardi Gras party, despite their no motif, really. Uh, Priscilla stands looking in the mirror. It explodes, blows her to pieces. Everyone tries to escape. She sets the building on fire. Michael says, I'll show you fried chicken. I love it. There's more fried chicken. Yeah. I don't... Okay. He electrocutes the panel, which somehow sets her on fire. Nobody can get out. The sign reads Death Spa again, just to bring that back. Perfect. Got it. Oh, isn't it an expensive effect, probably? Yeah. Catherine finally dies, some for some reason. Uh, the detective sees it move and shoots the skull like four <laughs> times in the face. And then uh, cue kick-ass music. Everyone leaves the spa. Catherine's zombie body says, nice try, Michael. And then an eyeball shoots pus at the screen, which is yep. so gross. And that's the end. And we get the, the cue of the song Killer Groove, performed by Squirt Gun, <laughs> which, I mean, sit well, through all the credits for that. Absolutely. It's really good. Yes. Uh, but that brings us to final thoughts on Death Spa. It was a wild ride. Perfect. 
Well put. Yeah. Uh, how many leg lifts out of five would you give uh, Death Spa? Oh, ten. Oh, okay, great. Perfect. Uh, so that brings us to the final questions. Uh, these are about you and not Death Spa. Fair enough. Uh, first one is, are there any common misconceptions about being a master personal trainer? I think there are a lot of misconceptions about personal training. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like you said, uh, people do really think of it as bro culture. Yes. Oh, that reminded me of something earlier, yeah. and then we'll get back to this. Um, the right fit of a person, like yeah. you said. It's all about relationship. Yes. And I knew, like, you're great at setting people at ease. Um, you're, you're very knowledgeable, professional, but personal, uh, personable. And um, in that first interview, I knew, like, I was like, oh, this is the person for me. Like, this is my way into this. And hopefully, you know, be, being better in my body. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that that is a great misconception. That yeah, it is it's, all it's a huge culture. misconception. And another huge misconception is that it's all just about lifting weights mm-hmm. or having a drill sergeant there to yell at you about yeah. proper form and I don't so want forth. That. No, nobody wants that. And my job is largely therapy. I do a lot of talk therapy with clients. And mm. in fact, I've got a certification in, I mean, it's basically light cognitive behavioral therapy for trainers. They call it behavioral modification training yeah. because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, within a scope of ethics, of course, where it's appropriate. Um, but that's what people need. You know, they want to talk. And honestly, people have really strong reactions to moving their bodies. People cry during workouts um, just kind of out of nowhere mm-hmm. and get really honest about things. And people reveal things to me that they don't tell anybody else. So Well, and also... You're sometimes working with people because of the the therapy aspect of it. Yeah. Both physical and emotional, but specifically the physical part. Sometimes people need to see someone in your profession because they've been in car accidents and things like that. And there's exactly. traumatic things that have happened to them. That stuff probably, you know, has an emotional side that comes out. It's huge. And I work with a lot of post-rehab clients. Mm. Um, I've worked with clients through cancer. Um post-cardiac patients, hip replacements, knee replacements, I mean, all kinds of different, I mean, every possible physical thing you can think of. I had a client a couple years ago who came to me after having knee surgery, which he felt like was unsuccessful. And he was really young. He was Mm. in his 20s. And his doctor said, you're probably never going to be able to ski again. And he had been a huge skier and he'd had this surgery and he'd gone to physical therapy for months and months and months and they couldn't make it better. And he came in and, I mean, was just incredibly emotional about all of this. Yeah. And I put him through a few diagnostic tests. And just, I mean, some of his muscles were just really tight from the surgery. And there was some really simple mobility training that we could do. And Mm -hmm. I figured that if he did it for about six weeks, very likely the muscles would release around the knee. He'd be able to use it without pain again. I mean, I didn't know this for sure. I'm not a doctor nor a psychic as it turns out. Right. Um, But I had him go through the mobility work and I said to him, I said, you know, honestly, it looks based on your reaction to some of these movements and how much pain you are in, in certain areas that it's very likely that it's just an issue of muscle tightness. Mm -hmm. And so if we loosen this up, you should be able to ski again. And I mean, just seeing, I mean, he basically had an emotional breakdown thinking about being able to, you know, continue his life again. And it worked, you know, it only took a few weeks and he was pain-free after that and went back to skiing. But I mean, it's just like they're seeing that level of irresponsibility from doctors and physical therapists. um, I can't always undo that, you know, I mean, it's just impossible, but when I can, it's 
pretty much the best thing. Yeah, we so. had the same thing. Is because I yeah. had this mysterious thing happening in my back that was making it hard for me to breathe. Right. And um, and I had gone to a doctor, and the doctor was just like, "Yeah, you just need to breathe more." And I was like, <laughs> "That's not how you okay." Uh, and then he gave me like an inhaler and something else that was just not. It's not gonna help. It's so wrong. And then through muscle strengthening yeah um you know and i have like a rib that's like popping out or whatever but now the muscles are doing a better job of keeping of things, supporting yeah, it yeah supporting it and it's just like it just blew my mind that like oh someone could be so wrong and yeah. then because they're not listening and they're thinking just whatever and then you go speak to someone like yourself who is a listener sure. and it's just like oh your body could be better by strengthening this part it just changed my brain about the word the word fitness suddenly had all these layers to it yeah and it wasn't just you know put on your spandex and you know sweat in a, on a bike or something oh definitely and the fitness industry has changed dramatically in the last 30 years even in the last 10 or 15 years yeah and i mean it used to be very common to hear people talk about having weak ankles for ex for example hmm. um you know i shouldn't run because i have weak knees or weak ankles uh, and i was told that when i was little i actually tore off every single ligament Ugh. on both ankles as a little kid. I was just constantly rolling my ankles. Oh, yeah. And my parents kept taking me to specialists who would make me, you know, write the alphabet in cursive with my feet, you know, trying to strengthen my ankles. No and one that uses never cursive helped. anymore, yeah. Of course, I know, it's too bad. <laughs> um, but it never helped. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until much later when I started doing this that I realized that my hips were just not firing correctly. And as the neural center of the lower body, if your hips aren't firing then your legs aren't going to do what you want. Mm -hmm. My, you know, my lower leg was just kind of going everywhere. And so as soon as I balanced my hips and strengthened them, I never rolled my ankle again. Whoa. I still don't have any ligaments and I run all the time. So, yeah. yeah. But it's just the, I mean, there are so many things that people hang on to from the past just because they don't know that science has taken us to a place where there are better solutions. Yeah. So. What is a good day like for you in your job? Hmm. A good day. They're mostly good days. I love my clients. Um, I love, I mean, everybody is really different, mm -hmm. all of my clients. And I, mm, a good day is where people work hard. People leave the gym feeling better when they got there. Um, we can overcome some obstacles. I love seeing people be successful. And mm -hmm. that's really one of the things that I love most about work is that there aren't very many things in this life where if you put in consistent effort, you will get the result you want. I mean, not even training is linear. However, if you show up every day and do the work, you're going to get stronger. You're going to get better at things. You'll be able to do more push-ups. Mm -hmm. And that's it's very satisfying for people to be able to reach their goals because life doesn't always give you that opportunity. So That's true. Yeah. Uh, what is a bad day like? Ooh, a bad day at work. I mean, do you even have those? I do occasionally. Maybe if everyone cancels. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know. Um, oh, gosh, a bad day. You know, there are some days where people come in and use me for therapy in a way that they should not. Got it. Um, to the point where they're standing around and yelling at me. 
um, about their bosses um, or about their partners. They're venting on you. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm just like, would you please do a squat? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just need you. You can keep talking, but like, can you squat at the same physically. time? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so that's rough. And also seeing people feel really defeated can be difficult. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it's just a matter of vulnerability. And that's not really a bad day. It's just, it's more difficult. Yeah. Um, you probably see less of those because you set realistic goals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're not like, do 40 push-ups out of the blue. And the person's like, I've never done a push-up before. Oh, for sure. <laughs> absolutely. But there are times where that's, I mean, where it's fun to set unrealistic goals and watch people really try to work oh, hard. Oh, they were going to reach for it. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So I was at a party once a number of years ago with a couple of my clients. and Mardi Gras uh, party? Uh, yes, as a matter <laughs> of fact. And um, I was bragging about one of my clients. And I said, he can do four sets of 40 pull-ups. And that client had never done four sets of 40 pull-ups ever. And he overheard this. And I think it just, I think it bothered him all weekend. I mean, I was being a show off for the other client, but I was also challenging him because I knew that come Monday he would show up and he would do four sets Uh, of 40 if it killed him. And he did. He didn't die though. So that's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, His blood didn't fall out or anything. No. You know, if they die, it just doesn't work for me. (laughs) What is your favorite thing about being a master personal trainer? I like seeing people be successful. Mm. I want to see people change their lives and feel proud of themselves. Um, my favorite experience as a trainer to date was I had a client who was in her late 80s and she'd had a couple of strokes and she'd been working with other trainers previously and I'd watch the exercises they were giving her. It's like stand on one foot stuff, you know, and it just was not satisfying for her. And she ended up becoming my client because her previous trainer had left. And um, I said, well, what do you want to be able to do that you can't do now? And she said, I haven't been able to stand up without assistance since I had my stroke. And she was, I mean, she had been a powerful, she was a powerful woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, she ran her own business way before women were running businesses. I mean, she was just, she was solid. And so to see her without a sense of agency and to need other people was really hard. And I knew it was affecting her confidence. And so I thought it would take about six weeks. It ended up taking nine to teach her to stand up off the floor by herself, which I mean, which meant a lot strengthening a lot of things. Her arms had to be strong enough to you know push herself up from a sideline position. Yeah. I had to teach her to do a full lunge all the way from the bottom, which meant hamstrings and glutes really had to be strong yeah. and core integrity. And putting all of those things together just gave her a complete plan as well as a really specific goal. And she threw a dinner party after I taught her to stand up where in the middle of the dinner party, she went and lay down on the floor and everyone at the dinner party was like, oh God, you can't do that. You know, are you okay? Like, yeah. you're not going to be able to get up. And she did it just so she could show everybody that she knew how wow. to stand up from the floor without assistance. And she was just like, I don't need your help. I don't need a chair. I don't need a cane. I can still do this. So to date, that's the best thing I feel that's like amazing. I've ever done as a trainer. Uh, do you have any advice for anyone that would be interested in seeing a personal trainer absolutely i think everybody should do it even for just a little while even if it's only for a couple of sessions yeah i think that it's really important to move your body but i think that it's also really important to to connect with other people um we live in a culture of isolation yeah and forging relationships i mean gyms are still a great place you know to hang out with other people and they're very social generally um but you can learn so much so I think yeah. everybody should hire one just for a little bit. 
Which brings us to the final question. What are your dreams like? Oh, they're bizarre. <laughs> and really vivid. Really? Generally. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, absolutely. Are, are they fitness related? Are you running forever? Or? Oh, you, sometimes they're fitness related. I dream about work a lot. I actually dreamt the other night. It was one of those dreams where I wasn't sure what was real and what wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they were continuations of conversations I'd had the previous day. Oh, weird. Uh, and so when I got to work, I actually had to ask a couple of clients. <laughs> hey, did like, I don't this? think we talked about this, but maybe we did. Yeah. So That's awesome. Sleep is incredibly important. It's one of the things that... Yeah. I mean, we talk about the five pillars of the five foundations of fitness. Okay, so, let's end with that. What are the five foundations of fitness? So exercise, moving your body. Okay. Nutrition. Mm-hmm. Sleep. Okay. Which is the that, best. That one sounds great. <laughs> it is the best performance-enhancing drug available. How much sleep or spe- is it differ per person to person? It does okay. differ person Got to person. It. Yeah. Um, but getting enough is mm-hmm. important and actually being consistent about it too. Waking up at the same time every day is a very good thing for your body. Okay. Um, okay. So nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress management and mindfulness, which is huge. And that's yeah. a lot of the therapy we do at the gym as yeah. well. Um, and the final one is relationships and community. And so engaging with other people and having a strong social network. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for engaging with this podcast. Thank you for watching Death Spa. Oh, thank you. It was a lovely experience. And thank you for being up for this crazy journey we've been on and even in scheduling this. Uh, I really appreciate your time and thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Jark. I appreciate it.